This is Horns Up. I'm Animesh. And I'm Peter. And on this episode, we're celebrating Atheist's Unquestionable Presence. It's one of my most favorite albums of all time. Peter, is it yours as well? Oh, definitely, man. I mean, 100%. There's so much about this album that we can talk about. And I'm glad it's just two of us, honestly. <laughs> Alrighty. So the reason we are celebrating this album on today's episode, uh, released 27th August 2021, is because the date coincides, well, kind of, with the 30th birthday of this landmark album's release. Yes, Unquestionable Presence was released on the 30th of August in 1991. It's the second album by the Florida-based band, and it features eight songs that altogether run for around only 32 minutes. So, Peter... Share your story, man. How, where, and when did you discover Atheist? And how, where, and when did you pop your unquestionable presence, Cherry? I, I discovered Atheist at a time that I was kind of heavily into black metal. And uh, it was like that lo-fi black metal. Everyone kind of gets the picture, right? So this was around 2005, six when I was studying in Canada. And everyone kind of relates to the time then when you're a student, you have limited amount of money. So I was buying CDs like every couple of months after saving up. So in 2005, towards the end of the year, Relapse Records released uh, the three atheist albums on CD. And call it fate, call it chance, coincidence, whatever you want to call it. There was a secondhand store that I used to go to. I just happened to chance on Unquestionable Presence. And I consider it my lucky day because there's no way. And I'm just wondering who is the guy who sold a copy of Atheist Unquestionable Presence, right? And that was, this was the remaster. It wasn't even like, you know, the first press and all of that. But I had already read about it. I mean, all the metal magazines at that time were raving about, you know, Atheist album finally coming into print. And also I didn't even think twice about buying the album with whatever money I had at that time. And I can't remember because the CD store had this policy where basically you could actually listen to the album before buying it. I don't know if I actually did, because if I did, I would have just been like, like mm. literally with my job and like, what the fuck is this kind of thing, right? Mm. And uh, yeah, because but what I do very clearly remember is I used to always roam around with my CD player is immediately putting the CD into my CD player that I had. And I think for months, I just walked around listening to that, trying to comprehend because there's just so much happening in there, right? And yeah, the beautiful part about the uh, reissue is it not only has the eight songs, it also has the pre-production demos and all of that, which, mm -hmm. you know, for a collector and someone who really enjoys it, it's kind of cool to listen to. But uh yeah, and the thing about the album is I realize, and it's even now, right, that you keep listening to it, you always come across one part where you're just like, oh, I, <laughs> yeah. this is so cool. I didn't hear this. But you know what? I'm going to stop now. I, I can go on and on talking about the album. So that's my story for now. What about you, Anamesh? Tell us yours. Hmm. Okay, so um, long-time listeners would know that the bands that got me into metal were Iron Maiden, Megadeth, and Metallica. No fucking surprises there, right? And then, of course, came Slayer and Death. And it's around that time that I decided to try and learn guitar. And after spending some time with the instrument, I discovered tabs. And thus began the journey of spending hours upon hours of practicing guitar in my bedroom, trying to play songs that were simply put too awesome and too complex for me to fat home. One of the most challenging tracks for me was The Flesh and the Power It Holds and I just couldn't like wrap my head around it. What does this have to do with Atheist? Patience, dear Peter, patience. Now, this is also the time of Rediff chat rooms. Do you remember that? I remember logging on and Vaguely, asking if... Yeah. Vaguely, <laughs> I remember logging on and asking if any if any guitarists were into death, right? So that they could help me figure out flesh and the power it holds. Someone answered and we got chatting. And after talking about the song, the dude typed out, Hey, if you're into this technical thing, check out Atheist. I said I would and then promptly went back to struggling with flesh. Naturally, a few days later, I typed in Atheist into a search engine and boom, <laughs> no results about a technical metal band. 
<laughs> of course, like I wasn't stupid, so better sense prevailed and I typed in atheist metal band and lo and behold, that's how I got to know about atheist. One thing led to another and I downloaded a torrent of Mother Man somehow. I was floored. I mean, this wasn't technical, right? Like this wasn't just technical. This sounded to my untrained ears like just schizophrenia of sorts unleashed onto tape as such and immediately you know the first very first listen my mind was abuzz with questions like is this jazz is this metal why are there birds chirping in the background why is the bass the instrument that's driving this song this doesn't it isn't conventional who are these guys it's atheist but this doesn't sound evil why are they named atheist are they buddies with di side do they know them etc etc because i didn't know about the scenes and stuff at that point in time either um immediately of course i tried to learn the song and i gave up in in say maybe a couple of hours itself it was way too fucking complex for me i just couldn't wrap my head around it tried searching for the album couldn't find a seed played mother man over and over again and tried to talk to uh the limited friend circle uh, who were into metal that i knew as such Uh, about atheist and about mother man and nobody had anything new to add as such so it was only like a few years later that i somehow found a tape of unquestionable presence at hero music bought it and then managed wow. to hear the whole album and of all places are uh, hero exactly, music exactly right there were only three stores right in in bombay where you could find good metal or rare metal music one was rhythm house one was uh, planet m the and that to only the vt branch vt was yeah yeah for sure and yeah and then the third was hero music who i don't know how he kept this album but he did yeah. and what followed since then uh, well that's the uh, that's the reason as such um as to why we are talking about this album today already so unquestionable presence holds a very special place in the hearts of most atheist fans as you would have realized and that also has to do with the lineup right because this album introduces bassist tony choi and the reason for the same isn't the typical lineup change of sorts the band's original bassist and founding member roger patterson died in a touring van accident before the studio sessions for unquestionable could begin uh patterson himself was kind of a bass wonder kid and losing him was a devastating blow to the band and i think to music in general right like imagine if he had been around and stuck around and maybe been the driving force for the band just how burton was to metallica yeah. right yeah. um so patterson here's the cool thing though he'd already written most of the parts for unquestionable presence or the songs that were coming onto this album and thankfully as you said you can still hear them on the demos for this album but i view this lineup change of sorts as a bittersweet thing for it led the band to tony choi who's just as good if not even better at least to my tastes or for my tastes and who'd already been part of another fucking tastic band cynic which is a band that we need to talk about and do another of these kind of an episodes about at a future point in time right 100% for sure i'll just add a quick thing about cynic right is uh, i was looking up videos of atheist online and there's a video that sean malone has taken of uh, them rehearsing unquestionable presence so you can watch those like old school uh, you know video cam uh, footage and in there you've got so it's, it's Sean Malone shooting it you've got uh, Paul Masvidal sitting just chilling out all of them in like you know shoulder length long hair and you just see Tony Choi like ripping it on the bass oh my <laughs> god i think like i'm not a bass player even remotely i don't like enjoy that but i think when you're going to see it you're going to have like a complete different experience so i'm going to link you to that post this but thanks so much So apart from Tony Choi, uh, there's no change to the atheist lineup. I mean, you've got Kelly Schiffer on vocals and lyrics, Randy Burke on guitars, and Steve Flynn handles the sticks and skins. Oh my God, I I'm gonna like be talking a lot about him because apart from the bass, the drums is such a huge element of this album, right? Mm-hmm. And what stays the same is the producer or recording engineer and. he is somebody i think 
1991 death metal meant only one person, Scott Burns. So he returns as the man responsible for recording this album for Atheist as well. Absolutely. People who heard the last episode will also know that he's the person who recorded the Cannibal Corpse album. So what a year he had, huh? I mean, 1991. Superb year. I wonder how many royalties he collects only for working on those specific <laughs> albums. I, I think that's a whole separate discussion that we could have. We should do a 30-year 30 30 year kind of a catch-up or something with uh, Scott Burns. Yeah, I, 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 There's something I'm, I'm not going to uh, reveal right now, but yeah, uh, there's something at the end of this episode I have about Scott Burns. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's everything about the album. It's time to actually get to the songs. So let's start off with the first one, Mother Man. Go for it, Anamesh. Fuck, what an album opener, right? Now, here's the thing. Because I was so uh, enthralled in trying to learn the song, eventually what I discovered was when I got to the tabs that, you know, I could vary the speed of the tab. And so I decided to learn how to try and play this song, especially when I got the bass, by slowing it down to three-fourth speed and... Because I was practicing with that or uh, with that pace as such, uh, I think this sounds <laughs> this song sounds better at three fourth speed. Try it if you try it if you try it if you haven't already tried it, right? Just slow down Mother Man a bit and listen to it. it 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 becomes so much more heavier. <laughs> but uh, the original song itself, I'm just blown away by the speed. I mean, it's it's just so much to wrap your head around, right? Uh, the technical chops, the ferocity, the aggressiveness. Excellent performances by everyone, especially Tony Choi. In addition, uh, who, in addition to Patterson's parts, improvised and played, you know, a lot more of uh, tapping and introduced a lot more of tapping elements, etc. Into, uh, into that songwriting style or into the bass playing style as such. And immediately what catches your attention is uh, Schaefer's distinct vocal style. This is death metal style vocals. That's a prelude as such to a thought that I've been pondering about uh, unquestionable presence and atheist as such, which we'll uh, also discuss at the very end. So Peter, what about you? What did you think about Mother Man? Dude, what a fucking album opener. I mean, like I still remember listening to the track for the first time and going exactly like how you what the hell is happening here right just putting into context the whole thing that i've been listening to a lot of black metal where you've got like the you know those high-pitched screechy kind of guitars in there and the bass if it exists is like barely there (laughs) here you have the bass leading it on i mean like if you think about it and this is again my untrained musician you've literally got the bass leading playing like the main riffs and then yep. the guitar is trying to catch up to there. And yep. just like the start of the song, right? If you have to break it up, you've got the way the bass and the drums are locked in. I mean, like everyone will talk about, you know, Roger Patterson and all, but I think someone who's played a great co-supporting, I mean, equal role, I wouldn't say even like a supporting role. It's like uh, Stephen Flynn, right? The way he kind of joins in and it's so tastefully done. So I'm going to like highlight a few parts later on in there. And then while you have all that bass in the start, then you have the guitars like kind of playing and so seamlessly kind of fitting in, right? It's, I mean, like when I, when you listen to it, it's, and I'm trying to think of like the guys in 91 listening to it. I mean, imagine you had that and then you had the Cynic album. You're just like, what the fuck is happening, right? Like, what are these guys listening to and all? And of all places, these guys are also from Florida, right? Where most of like these really brutal and heavy bands are coming out from. But the you've got like the tasty, as I've put it, solo trading happening in the middle of the track. Mm-hmm. And just the last minute, I mean, I think if you take the mono riffs that are there in that first song itself, it's probably like if you take any of the other bands, they could like make an entire album from there, right? There's just yeah, so much going on. Yeah. yeah, there's so much happening. I mean, just unwrapping your head around what you just heard is a task in itself. You're just, And especially for like somebody who's not heard anything prior to this like it. Like if you've heard like, say cynic i and for me i had not even heard piece of time right this is the mm-hmm. first 
time I'm hearing of by of any material by atheist. Likewise. So, damn man, what what a way to kind of get introduced to the band. But what what really uh, what really got to me was the the samples at the end of the bird chirping etc. I was like, wow man, this is this is yeah. It left me speechless and. till to this date i i find like because of the samples i find mother man weirdly enough one of the most soothing songs um in this metal genre or sorts whatever yeah, like, let's like what happens is that that whole pull and push that happens in there right it's not just like pure out aggression there's these parts where you feel in there and then suddenly so that, that whole thing i really enjoy and i think that's what keeps you going right because there's so many dynamics in the song right it's not like straight uh anything right either too brutal or too chill right it's got a mix of both that messes with you absolutely and you take that structure you take that formula you take that pattern and you try to comprehend it and then after mother man obviously you you are hoping for more and the next track which is unquestionable presence uh definitely delivers because to mother man I mean if you if you think of a band name like atheist right especially when you're a kid it would denote something evil uh, or sinister at least and motherman doesn't sound like that but unquestionable presence fuck now that track sounds sinister this track sounds like it it's definitely by a band called atheist um speaking of some of the highlights as such i love the riff that forms the rhythm track to berkey's first solo and then the song completely changes right in the second half and that's when it really pummels you with its technical wizardry no oh yeah man that solo like and that's the thing right the solos are not one of those like hey i can play a solo check me out i'm showing off and all of that it's just there it's there for the right amount of time makes its presence known and it's then leads into something even more right so that that was like the really cool thing i like about mo- almost all the solos uh, mm-hmm. on this album that they're not like and that i think that's where i'm going to kind of keep repeating this also is this is between piece of time and this album right you've seen the band really mature and it takes like four guys who are very chill and okay with each other right no yeah. one's trying to kind of overpower each other like the guitarists don't have that thing that oh why is the bass leading they know that hey this guy knows his shit he's really we have to keep up with him right <laughs> so that's where i feel it comes yeah dude that opening uh, uh, intro right that i i mean before it goes nuts that really creeps you out and especially the way it kind of segues from the previous song right mm-hmm. you have the birds chirping then you have this kind of ominous intro and then it just all goes nuts after the first minute and you're just like oh my god what the hell is this i mean if if anyone has to ask me like hey which is by far your like put a gun to my head and say which is your favorite uh, atheist track this one will come on top for sure mm, strong pick yeah. mine would m- mine's definitely mother man <laughs> <laughs> i've just got too much history with that song <laughs> fair enough all right the th- on to the third track your life's retribution yeah what i really love about this track is that it lets tony choi shine right out at the very front and there's that fabulous like new wave of british heavy metal or bayria thrash depending on whatever you're listening yeah. to you will you will immediately recognize it it's such a metal staple at this point there's so much of love thrown at that kind of uh, thought as such during the solo section i absolutely love that section that that to me is the like proper highlight as such of this song yeah and 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 you know coming back again like this is where i on this track i feel like steve flint he adds like these really interesting fills to, mm-hmm. to the song which if you like listen on a good pair of headphones which clearly i wasn't back then i completely missed out right but now when i'm listening back to it he just adds in there and it's those little pops and little things that he adds in there that makes the song really complete i mean if you take that out and that's what i feel about this album if you take out even one element or one bit mm-hmm. it feels empty right it you'll Absolutely. realize in there yep. so it's just so well man can you imagine what a mind fuck it would have been to mix this album <laughs> i don't think it would it would have been i think i think it's been uh, 
it's been produced really well because essentially what they've done is they've isolated uh, frequencies for each instrument as such and just let them and just basically push them to the max so that each instrument shines um everything everything just gels so well together yeah. and yeah. still sounds unique if you were to just listen to it in its own layers as such and yeah so so yeah that was your life's attribution and let's move on to track number 4 which is enthralled in essence which to me is my second favorite song of this album because what a mammoth of a fucking introduction that is to the track the opening riffs are yeah. awesome and especially what i really love about it and this is the cheesiness coming out it is that vocal hit which is not just a vocal hit but all the instruments hitting together <laughs> right that is how you transition uh, for a groove um i've repeatedly tried to get something like that done and finally like we managed to do it for uh, one of the riot peddler songs obviously that's like hardcore punk and this is like uh, progressive and shit but yeah when you nail that kind of a thing together as a band it immediately just lifts the energy in the room because you're all like holy shit we're actually doing this and we're doing this together um also I have to mention what a fucking awesome crescendo right it all builds in it feels like you have troops coming in and charging into battle and that is one of the most enjoyable parts of the entire album um as such for me um I also love the fact that can that we can finally hear uh, some different uh, dynamics as such from Kelly Schaefer's vocals itself especially with that in a past lifetime i feel i've had mine wala line yeah i fucking love this song too <laughs> yeah and the thing is like if you think about it they, these were guys just out of their teens at that time right mm-hmm. and like he's writing such like introspective philosophical kind of stuff so uh, there's more of that in there but talk to me about the part you know which is that little head banging part which i've called <laughs> it at like 220 like jen 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 and then suddenly that screeching solo which which is a very different solo compared to the, like it's i i have kind of tagged it as the heavy metalish solo cuz it exactly. was exactly like, yeah and you expect that right yeah that's that's exactly the crescendo wala part that i was talking about it's yeah. it's fucking awesome man yeah and there's so much like the thing is it it basically takes and i know we're going to debate this there but it takes everything you know about me- death metal metal and just kind of like breaks all those stereotypes right it's like mm-hmm. oh you think you know what metal is wait listen to, and i think that's the way i want to challenge people that's like just mess with them like hey have you heard this track this is a metal <laughs> band <laughs> you know that <laughs> but uh all right that was enthralled in an essence on to the next one an incarnation's dream i think the first minute of the track mm-hmm. is by far the most like relaxed or chill on the album right everything else kind of is there mm-hmm. but for me the highlights are you know that bass breakdown at like the second <laughs> bit bit that yeah. that kind of is there and then the build up at which is towards the end of the track which is about 3 yeah. minute 50 which just you know repeats so you the first time you hear it it's nice the second time when they replay that entire whole bit right with all of them kind of coming which to me and and this is the only way i've kind of heard it in other music is like it's forms sort of like a jugalbandi right with all the <laughs> instruments kind of coming it's so beautiful i for me that like is also one of the highlights uh, of the track <laughs> yeah you mentioned the introduction i mean that just doesn't prepare you for the <laughs> onslaught or the second half or such of this entire song because you're in the introduction i don't think you would be expecting that to kick up those many several notches higher um i mean for me this this track and uh, incarnation's dream it's as complex and as strong as mother man in terms of the progressive elements and in terms of how the sections have been laid out and in terms of how complex those sections are itself and the pace of the entire thing too i mean i get that this track introduces side b of the album but i would have no problem if 
this track would be the album opener itself right because it's got everything that you would want in an atheist song it's such a well defining number as such for what atheist is supposed to be on unquestionable presence um and yes as you said i love that groovy breakdown man it's chuggable for lack of a better word it it gets you to move away from overthinking all of this and analyzing all of this to just sure enjoying all of this that's what i love about this track as well as mother man as well as um enthralled in essence it's so dynamic so complex but at the same time it's so enjoyable you don't get like there's no like vankri here i mean yes yeah, it's all yeah. technical vankri but at the same point in time this is vankri with class right <laughs> like like not certain bands that <clears throat> played like 10 minute songs <laughs> forget 10 minute songs i mean i mean if you enjoy vankri then you enjoy vankri but yeah whatever uh, <laughs> this is in vankri this is like okay this is there's a technique here there is some sort of uh you know like okay i will i will do this in this manner and thus i will be able to not just increase pleasure for uh me but also increase pleasure for the listener <laughs> which which i i i think we should talk about towards the end like did it really but <laughs> let's move on to the next track yeah the next track is the formative years that's track number 6 this one is just sure 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 relentless um i mean it carries on all the aspects as such that we've heard in the previous five tracks and by now if you're listening to this track uh you will definitely realize that hey you need to return to this album and you know maybe go track by track or maybe go slower than usual or like you know get a, a vinyl and like you know play it at like half speed or get it on to audacity or whatever and just slow it down to be able to appreciate each and every element and all the nuances as such it's it's that strong man it's awesome yeah what do you think yeah i mean for me like the lyrics right when i was looking it up it, it's so profound like i talked earlier mm-hmm. right is like if you see he says like in the short time that i've spent here in this ghastly plane i've come to find there are so many things that should be changed should, yeah like the relationship between the elder and the youth it lights the fuse that leads to all our problems and that's the truth i mean like you think about it right for somebody who's just out of their teens or like a young adult this is really profound stuff so this guy is like really thinking a lot uh, i love the solo which is like around one and a half minute or so and even right after that the drum fills man i think like for me i was paying a lot of attention to the drums this time around because mm-hmm. you know how good the album sounds everyone knows about the bass and riffs but like i said right each time you listen to it you discover something yep. new and for me with the last listen i had it's been the drums mhm so that was the formative years now we're on to brains <laughs> you know what's what's really surprising is you know this late into the album six dong six songs done two songs to go you're expecting some kind of like you know a uh, palate cleanser of sorts or something to just slow things down but brains is not that track <laughs> it's it's really surprising that there's no let up whatsoever um yes you're used to the patterns as such for structuring the songs here but there's still so much of wiggle room right i mean it's not like it's not like a rage against the machine kind of an approach where you take a playbook and then you stick absolutely to that playbook as such in terms of how you want to structure your songs everything is just you know moving in and transitioning at its own sweet pace um and as such as to what that section needs for the transition and not what the song structure playbook or anything of that sort is um i have to say and that like there's this bass fill which comes in just around the time of the mini drum solo that happens right uh, that that and plus there's this this track brains it has this um really cool groove that's probably the most uh, headbangerish kind of a section uh, in this entire album it just i mean you couldn't have written that kind of uh a section if you didn't want the audience or you didn't want yourself to just you know give give that feeling to the audience that you know what yes this is this is complicated shit and you may not be able to headbang to it all the time but here you go take a bone 
play with it this is your time to shine and yeah that's that that's why brains is so fucking cool as a track yeah and you know you think like this late in the album the band would probably throw in like filler tracks right this album has no fillers at Absolutely this point not. you clearly realize uh, i love the bass uh, part at the one minute mark mm-hmm. the solo again in there and you know what's cool about this track is it starts with the same kind of twisted riffs that it ends right so you know that these guys are not like leaving anything that ha- these riffs let's use on another song or something these guys are just like at it mm-hmm. and uh, it's such a ferocious ferocious track man i mean i really like you what surprised me and always surprises me is that these guys are just like you know what let's put everything out there and like brains could have been like on another album for it mattered right but yeah. no they decided to keep it on this album itself yeah th- this could have been album's opener album single as such for every other uh, album too yeah. it's that strong it's that strong uh, of a track and finally uh, we come to the end of the album as such and with the song uh, the eighth track called uh, and the psychic saw um i love that folky folky jazzy whatever yeah. whatever you want to call it right I, i don't even have a word for it as such there's that mid section which comes in just before the solo what the fuck was that <laughs> why <laughs> how does it how does it fit so well into what is supposed to be a metal album right um and here's the thing it's that part is so so different from everything else but then at the but then you have these simple pentatonic guitar riffs towards the end of the song that again form kind of a highlight because it allows or it sets the base for joy and flint to completely annihilate everybody in their path as such with their performances um this yeah this this was just like i think this was like uh programmed as the last track as such because they basically just gave free reign to Choi and Flynn and said dudes do your thing man push this <laughs> push this thing even further than what we want it to be i mean i i call that like a jammy part which just kind of like <laughs> repeats itself but dude what the hell i mean like and and that's the thing right when i'm trying to think like i never heard it on tape but can you imagine like if you like went all the way till the end and then you're like okay wait wait i have to rewind this track what the fuck just happened like what am i hearing <laughs> dude you know so i had discovered that you know in in walkmans because walkmans were powered by um, simple double a batteries right if you insert new batteries into my walkman at least that's what it did for me everything would play like at a slightly faster yes. speed than oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 and <laughs> if you and if the batteries had almost passed like remove uh, had their energy removed whatever uh everything would just slow down yeah. so for this particular album i remember taking batteries and you know essentially just wasting them so that i could get <laughs> them to be drained <laughs> out so that i could insert that and then listen to some of the songs here and i did that especially with and the psychic saw i remember doing that still uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a, i do remember because i uh, you'd hear like some of these up tempo tracks suddenly just like Whoa. Exactly. Wow. And man. then you that knew was like the, oh, okay that's the yeah. that's a sign. <laughs> yeah. And just by the way has anybody ever tried editing the Mortal Kombat theme to to the end of this track? Obviously because <laughs> of the gong which yeah. is yeah <laughs> which was such a stupid way to end like that that to me is probably the most stupid thing done on this album. Like <laughs> <laughs> <a> fin <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. I I think you know what honestly we've spent more time talking about this album than the actual album length right <laughs> <laughs> So those were the eight tracks on the album now Anumesh I have a simple but probably tough question for you which is what makes this album great All that we've said in the last hum god knows ever since this episode began is is kind of just um fodder as such to help compile this uh, the, an answer to this kind of a question 
but outright of course first and foremost it has to be the 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 musicianship right here it's super high quality it's breaking boundaries it's a mix of technicality and progression that's so far i don't think had been executed at this level for this genre as such in this manner and yet and this is what i was talking about right even though it is um so complex at the same time it's easy to listen to right uh, we talked about wankery and all of that jazz and you know it's almost as if everything's being passed through a dumbed down filter which makes it accessible as such to the listener which is a reflection of true songwriting genius i mean it also shows massive respect as such or at least that's the way i put it i don't know the inner story but i would think that all the musicians on this album truly respect one another and are okay to give them their own individual space oh yeah totally agree i mean like that that's what i was saying right while i was watching that uh, video uh, in the start right you just see all of them kind of getting their own space in their own thing doing their thing and can you imagine like this came in a place like florida which is <laughs> like you know humid oppressive heat i mean we kind of understand it cuz we live in a similar kind of space here in uh, bombay right but yeah. what i really like about this album it's it till date blows my mind just like it did the first time i heard it because yeah. is it jazz is it metal like you know there was this whole fusion metalish thing and you know coming back to what you said and that's where i was coming from also in terms of the mix right because typically you have like a particular member signing saying that okay i'll decide what it should sound like and all here it's like literally i feel all these guys were chilled out and like no man i think you know what's best oh you go ahead like it just seems like a very calm thing and overall scott pont has done such a great job because i think this kind of sets a standard right i mean it does we we talked uh, on our previous episode of him mixing the uh, cannibal corps album i mean can you imagine him like a few months recording with cannibal corps and mixing that then coming down to this like for this this would have been like okay this is my palette cleanser who's next obituary decide who's coming <laughs> next <laughs> like i need more brutality now <laughs> but uh, yeah man i mean it's, it's such a beautiful album that 30 years later we can go on and on about it honestly yep and and here's the thing right yes the musicianship is at such a high level and lyrically it's not bad at all i mean each song is covering a new topic whether it be conserving nature as such on mother man or personal ruminations or just existential questions it's not your stereotypical thrash or death that even the audience in 991 was used to as such it kind of goes against the grain of what is popular metal at that time and sure it may not be like absolute poetic genius but the fact that at that age kelly shefer was able to write this wow that shows some virtuosity some genius at that level too and you know what here's here here are a couple of other points too as to why um uh, unquestionable presence is such a fucking awesome album it's designed as an album right there's this natural flow between the eight tracks you can't take away one of the songs in the middle and you know the entire album will suffer the most enjoyable thing or one of the most enjoyable things about this album is that it's just 32 minutes long super efficient man not a note and not a second feel wasted and you know it's perfect for those for those moments when you when you're craving um a piece of music but you don't really have a lot of time you get to listen to an entire album filled with fabulous songs from right from the start to the end and it's just 32 minutes long how many how many other albums do you know that uh, that managed to do that what's also weird is that you know i've never been able to have this album on in the background as such um and so whenever i do listen to it it's always it 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 always just draws attention towards itself and you have to keep on like you know you have to concentrate on this it you can make that work for you too because uh listening to this album it always gives gives me kind of an energy it's like it makes for the musical equivalent of an early morning drink to really wake you up because it makes your brain will want to start to figure out what the hell you're listening to it'll get your neurons firing as such yeah man totally i i i can totally see that i mean i i love like this is the kind of stuff 
uh, you want to listen to uh, when you wake up because it's not like too brutal or too heavy uh, mm-hmm. at the same time it's not like and it doesn't seem like the thing i like about this compared to a lot of the sterile technical death metal right <laughs> this is not like it's it's so much easier to listen to at this point you're just like me and me and like trying to cram as many notes as possible exactly uh, yeah. in all of that or who's going to be faster more brutal more heavy it, i mean i think that's where they also kind of had overall the perception right because it was released in 1991 and that we're talking about a lot of albums uh recently in 1991 right it was such a strange time in metal absolutely i mean there's no doubt about the fact that unquestionable presence is definitely an influential album because you kind of know that half of today's tech that tech prog whatever bands who want to try and play this kind of music they wouldn't really exist if this album had not been released earlier sure everything on this album can be improved and a lot of bands have tried to do that but um yeah a lot of bands haven't been able to do that to the degree that atheists themselves have been able to do on unquestionable presence um so peter now i have a question for you right i think that i think all of what we spoke easily kind of gives you enough enough and then some more as such uh to understand why this album uh, is so great and why we are fanboying about it but uh, the question for you peter is is unquestionable presence the strongest atheist album no no doubt in my mind of course man so this was the first atheist album i heard and mm-hmm. it was for me like you know really special then i went into peace of time i was told to avoid elements for the longest time Uh, I'll come to that in a second but yeah Jupiter I think if you keep aside the fact that you know it's a comeback album from Atheist and all Jupiter on its own was a very good album mm-hmm. but then you know it, you always compare the comeback album to their best album I mean like a band like Carcass also faces the same problem right oh my god is this a strong enough comeback uh, why are they not gone brutal blah 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 I think Jupiter on its own stands but then when you compare it to unquestionable presence uh no man you you can't at all compare it elements i don't know like it took me a long time i finally heard it i kind of warmed up to it it sounds like an atheist album uh-huh but if you follow if if that's an album following up uh, unquestionable presence nah so yeah just to come back of course man this is unquestionably the best <laughs> atheist album absolutely it has the unquestionable presence this is the album to to hear as such from atheist there's no absolutely right there's no doubt about that either i definitely enjoy elements uh that comes in as a strong second close second for me i enjoyed jupiter as well i thought the that album was 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 really good especially for a return album of sorts or and as you rightly said even if you remove that lens it it was just one of the best albums released in that year and still i keep listening to jupiter 2 um i've never enjoyed really peace of time but i don't know why the i've never seemed to enjoy it but yeah absolutely doesn't uh, dispute the place or the position or the presence of unquestionable presence at the top of the pile for atheist albums as such remember at the very beginning like uh, while we were chatting mother man uh, there was this thought about uh, whether this is death metal as such um what do you think peter is this death metal i've always struggled with this fact that the band is tagged as technical death metal right mhm and i get that okay if you take like most of the current bands they've all been influenced by them and you know they've taken the sound forward and all but if you take even the 1991 lens of death metal right you had bands like cannibal corpse around you had bands like tsi around obituary there were so many i mean yes it has some elements of death metal but for me the biggest thing that it's missing out is the growled vocals right which is i feel an essential part of death metal just those you know cookie monster vocals or whatever you want to call them so i wouldn't tag this band as death metal to be honest like if i had to introduce it to somebody today i would say that you know this is a 
progressive band or a technical band in there but then mm-hmm. again see that's the thing right technical is also in 2021 far different right people expect it progressive or technical as more vankery this is still one of those bands so i would still say like i mean it, i don't know would you would you call it thrash i, I, I um, definitely would call it thrash i mean it's 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 more thrash than it is death because mm-hmm. think about it the instruments yes they are mastered in sort of a death metal kind of a way right they have that kind of sonic template as such or the sonic palette on it but at the same time if you were to hear this live with slightly thrashier tones obviously with the bass pushed way up um in that mix etc this this is thrash metal it's it's technical thrash yes it's progressive thrash but it is thrash um chafer's vocal style i think is the only thing that makes this slightly death as such because it's not easily understandable of course right like most thrash bands still would be you would easily be able to comprehend what's uh, being said not over here um so i think that's the only element of sorts that kind of qualifies it towards death and yes of course if you are into brutal death metal as you rightly said then it's still not heavy enough which is weird to say now i find jupiter heavier than this as an album but of course unquestionable presence is the one that leaves you perplexed by its sheer virtuosity and you'll want to come back and listen to this one over and again uh, over and over again to just kind of still try and figure it out as such we, speaking of which what the fucking hell is up with uh, relapse um or rather what the hell is up with this album's availability on apple music it's disappeared I discovered that uh, while I was trying to listen to this album again and it's no longer there um so of course I tried to I had to dig out my old CD which definitely is a bootleg um and it only has a front cover and a back cover uh, black and white Xerox of course of it um yeah but I think I definitely now need to try and fish out and get the remastered on CD because all of the fucking songs were available on streaming earlier yeah yeah and th- that was i also was scratching my head while getting ready for this episode i mean i looked up spotify so i was like okay spotify india whatever there must be some issue i went to amazon music amazon music it's not there and i could have sworn till like a couple of weeks ago they were on seasons of miss uh, bandcamp because right now Ooh. as of last night they are available on as you can buy it but the tracks you cannot play exactly so, so i did a little digging and mm-hmm. i went to the band's facebook and if you see their facebook or you see their youtube there are fans just like us going like when is your music why is your music off streaming when is it coming back so the band actually replied saying switching our catalog to a new label big things to come sorry for the inconvenience <laughs> now i was like okay wait they announced a new label and i didn't know about this so i again looked up news about the band and of wikipedia of all pages there was an announcement that in 2018 the band signed a worldwide deal with agonia records and they're supposed to also uh, they put up a couple of things on instagram and twitter and all that they're touring early next year hmm. so that's as far as this is concerned i don't know if they're still with agonia uh but that was quite interesting for me because i was like how how do you kind of just take off all because i know the deal with the relapse uh is over that's why all of the stuff was on season of mist but when it went off season of mist like the only place you can actually hear it right now on the internet is youtube, YouTube. yeah <laughs> youtube of all places so for for those of you who are missing it maybe like i don't know be creative but i think that's the only place it will be for some time or i don't know maybe they'll take it down <laughs> i have no idea thanks for doing all the detective work of uh, detective work of course but you know the only silver lining in all in in this kind of an answer on this story is the fact that definitely there seems to be some sort of activity that's happening in the atheist camp right i mean you have these kind of posts which hopefully signal that you know a move to a new record label will also bring with it a new record um yeah i hope there's there's more to that 
Yeah, another thing I actually found which is kind of cool in their Facebook posts and all is that uh, Kelly posted about a new band called Till the Dirt. And uh, that's something that he's written in the last year during the pandemic. So one of the silver linings of the pandemic. And the clip they posted off the track, which is, I, it's not a track, I mean, a full track, just like a 30 seconds, sounded quite interesting. Now, here's the fact about Scott Burns that comes in, right? Is that their album, which is Outside the Spiral, is actually being produced by Scott Burns. <laughs> so, wow, like what a reunion <laughs> of sorts, right? And the band is coming back together. The boys are back. I can hear the boys are back in town. <laughs> I hope so. And here's the thing, right? Like, um, I was really hoping that we, w- we would be able to do this by, you know, talking to Kelly Schaefer. Um, but clearly, uh, despite the numerous emails, etc., etc., he clearly has better things to do. Maybe we'll talk to, maybe we'll be able to talk to him soon, or if not, we'll definitely keep trying. And I hope he gets to listen to this because um, this to me was basically a love note as such to uh, one of the best albums of all time. Kelly, please reply to these emails from these two boys in Bombay. We love you. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Final point, I have to talk merchandise here because, hey, it's atheist. Finally, and I must give a big shout out to Salman and Rock and Roll Originals. Finally, thank you so much for bringing atheist merchandise to India. I found it super weird that even bootleg merchandisers in India, uh, they would stock like Cannibal Corpse and like benighted and you know think of think hell i've seen vader t-shirts etc i've never been able to find an atheist t-shirt in india earlier so i was really lucky i think that this is the two lucky things i've had with atheists right first was buying the unquestionable present cd at a second hand cd store but uh, i must thank ulf from metal masala so he, when he had just started his store online, which was still buggy and all of that, I was checking it out and I chanced upon an atheist piece of time t-shirt. And at that time, I think there was issues with the payment gateway or something. So I was like, okay, no, please book this t-shirt for me. I'll transfer the money to you. And oh my God, like for me, it was like a huge deal. Like, oh my God, in India, I managed exactly, to get right. an atheist, atheist t-shirt. t-shirt. So yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, uh, yeah, now that now that rock and roll originals and Salman and all have like more, so I think it's time I get more than one atheist T-shirt in my yeah. closet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm planning to do as well. So that's it for Horns Up this week. Um, yes, it's an episode uh, completely celebrating one of the albums that we love, Atheist's Unquestionable Presence. Now, next week. We're going to try to do something different. All I can say is at this point in time, it will be time to up the irons. If you want to take a guess at what we are up to, hit us up. We are at hornsuppod.com and on Twitter at hornsuppod. As always, I'm on Twitter at Asmoani. And I'm at Trend Crusher. This was Horns Up. Horns Up, guys. Horns Up.